Lord and Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father God, for your love, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for the responsibilities, Father God, that you have given us, Father, in this world, Father. Lord, I pray, Father God, help us, Father God, to see, Father God, the areas, Father God, where we are slothful, Lord. Spiritually, Father God, when you have redeemed us by your precious blood, Lord, to do great things, Father God, where are we, Father, with our walking in with you, Father God? Where are we, Lord, in your kingdom work, Father God? I pray, Father God, for your Holy Spirit presence, Father God, to come and touch each one of us, Father God, and make us to admit, Father, where we are slothful, Father God, not to let pride, Lord, come and hinder us, Father God, but, Lord, to be open and honest, Father God, in confessing that to you, Father God, and to seek help, Lord, from others, Father God, and help us to see, Father God, your children, Lord, who needs help, Father God, and help us, Lord, not to be rude, to think about, Lord, that am I my brother's keeper? Help us to know that once we belong to your family, we are your children's keeper. We are our brothers and sisters' keeper. And that is the responsibility you have placed in our life, Father. I submit this time to you, Father God. And I pray, Father, for your presence, Lord, to come and cover us and to learn what we need to learn, Father. I pray all of this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So the topic, not to be slothful, in another word, to say that we shouldn't live a lazy boy kind of Christianity. Lazy boy, they have great chairs. They are really comfortable. There is a zero gravity chair, the massage chair, the office chair, the accent chair, and whatnot. Those are great chairs and they are very comfortable chairs, but notice the name Lazy Boy. And they make easy chairs too. That's a great selling point for a piece of furniture, but it's a terrible concept when it comes to how we should live our life for Jesus. Not being on the Lazy Boy or not being on the easy chairs. So where are you? in your walk with the Lord? Are you in the lazy boy chair? Or are you in the easy chair, sitting and relaxing your life, your Christian life? And the Bible repeatedly tells us that that is a terrible place to be. That it is a terrible concept when Christians live in a lazy boy chair. When we read Matthew chapter 25, there are several parables in this chapter. First, it talks about the 10 bridesmaids. Then it talks about the uh, talents. Then it talks about the uh, final judgment. And if you have time, read those three parables in Matthew chapter 25. And it is so apt for our topic, not being slothful. The problem for too many Christians is that they are used to this idea of retirement. They believe there should come a time in their life when they don't have to do anything anymore. 
they wait eagerly for the day when they can sit in their lazy boy chairs and take life easy for the rest of their existence if we love jesus we are not going to be satisfied with retiring this side of heaven in fact the bible says our retirement is not here on earth it's in heaven hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 to 11 tells us there remains a sabbath rest for the people of god for whoever has entered god's rest has also rested from his work as god did from did from his let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience that is hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 to 11 This is a story about a lady who was living in the nursing home. She had a stroke and that had left her paralyzed all down the left side of her body. The left side of her face kind of collapsed. Her left arms was useless and the entire left side was paralyzed. Whenever the pastor visited and shared something sad about the church, about the um, about the members in the church, she used to cry but then one day when the pastor came to visit her he found her seated at a small table writing something when the pastor asked her what she was writing she told him that she was writing notes of encouragement to the uh, people who are back at the church who are going through hard times Here was a woman who had every right to do nothing but sit and watch TV for the rest of her life but she refused to quit serving Christ even when life forced her to live in a nursing home she refused to to buy into the concept of sitting in the lazy boy's chair or buying to into the concept of a, a retired christian life So this is about the talents the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 24 we see that one of the servant who played it safe and buried the lord's treasure talents are the opportunities you are given to honor god if you bury those golden opportunities you will discover at the end of your life you wasted god's precious gift So the first two servants used their master's treasures to invest in a way that when he returned, they both had realized a hundred percent increase. In order to do that, they had to put the principal at risk. They could not just bury the money; they had to use it as a capital to leverage more money. That's a positive lesson Jesus is trying to teach us today through this parable. So when it comes to what God has given you, money, time, abilities, opportunities. go ahead and attempt great things for god he would rather have you attempt something great and fail than to never attempt anything great for his kingdom and when it is comes to serving god and honoring god don't play it safe go all out for him don't be slothful when it comes to serving him one day we will stand before the lord and he will ask us to give an account of what we did with the resources that he gave to us I love the master's attitude as he commends these faithful servants and one day when you stand before the Lord I hope you will hear Jesus say to you those words recorded in Luke chapter 6 verse 23 Rejoice in the day and live for joy for great is your reward in heaven you few 
make it a point to not remain slothful here in this earth, to not remain, to go and sit in the lazy boy or not to live the retired Christian life. We don't serve him to gain rewards. We serve him because we love him. His approval and commendation is reward enough for us. The message of the parable is saying to us, to those with five talents or two talents, risk them, live dangerously, venture, put your opportunities to work for God's sake. This servant was lazy and did not work to earn his master more money. Sloth is more than just an avoidance of physical work. It is also an avoidance of spiritual work. Some people who have a sloth problem are actually very busy. The problem is not they don't do anything. It's that they will do all sorts of things that they don't need to do instead of doing the things they should be doing. So which servant will you be? Will you be like the servant with five talents and three talents who worked hard and invested and rejoiced in their master's return? Or will you be the lazy servant who hides what he has, what he was given in the ground and waits? The real question is, will you labor for a kingdom that is eternal and be blessed with more than you can imagine? Or will we work for what, for that which perishes and even what you have will be taken away from you? When Jesus is before you, where will your focus be? While this parable refers to a talent as a monetary measure, the lesson holds good to a talent as a gift too. All of, all of us have been blessed with several gifts, but many of us have never put them to good use and some of us have not even discovered what they are. We are going to be questioned about it one day and we better have a good answer with us. Just as the master in the parable of the talents gave talents to all his servants, so the Holy Spirit has given each one of us spiritual gifts and natural abilities to use in ministry, to use to advance the God's kingdom. When we do not develop, multiply and use them for his glory, we are guilty of the deadly sin of sloth. So what Christ wants us to hear today not to be slothful, not to be like the servant who went and buried the talents thinking it is safe. He's not going to lose it, so he won't be in trouble with his master. You might think a ship in the harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are made for. So also is the Christian safe who buries what God has entrusted to him or her, but that's not what Christians are made for. You know, during Pearl Harbor, what happened? Pearl Harbor proved that ships in harbor are not really safe. After all, they were bombed. And this parable shows us that Christians who bury their God-given gifts are not really safe either. God calls us to risk taking discipleship for the transformation of the world. David ran aggressively to Goliath. The Hebrew boys faced with a faced with a fiery furnace, had an aggressive faith in their God. Paul and Silas were aggressive in their praise to God, even though they were locked up in jail. So, where are you? How aggressive are you in your walk with the Lord? Or are you sitting in the lazy boy chair? Do you think that you have earned enough to get into heaven? We are so often 
repeat Martha's mistake. We allow ourselves to get so focused on all the little things that could be done or need to be done that we miss Jesus. Jesus had only a few months left on earth and Martha was going around to going to miss him because she was worried about dinner preparations. Sometimes and most of the times we are like Martha. We have an opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus, to spend time with him, learn from him and just be near him. But instead we spend it taking care of all these pointless tasks. Martha missed Jesus for her dishes. And we miss him for even less significant things than that. I think we, we express the slothfulness itself when we miss the divine appointments for meaningless events. Ladies, I'm not saying that so that you don't do your dishes or cook food or take care of a family and just sit and read Bible and do prayer. No, don't miss your time with God. Don't miss those opportunities that God has given you and what God has called you to do. Then there is a, in Matthew chapter 25 again, there is a parable of the 10 uh, bridesmaids. We all know that parable. They were putting off everything good. Uh, they were waiting. If they didn't buy the oil that was needed and they put off getting oil for their lamb. And they ended up being stranded in the street when the call of the bridegroom came for them. They knew what the requirement for oil was, but they put it off. They had a responsibility for planning for their future, planning for the for that oil, for the lamp to be burning. They knew that the priority was to have oil in their lamps, but their priorities were, were on lesser things and they put it off. They knew the general time of the bridegroom's appearance, but they waited too long. It blocked their future. They you know, they put off their responsibility and they destroyed their priorities. And finally, they could not get in. It is hard to say I'm a lazy, slothful person. We feel like our pride has been insulted when we say this. But sloth as a voice that impresses in our thoughts and mind, oh, it is okay to be lazy. It is okay to procrastinate. It is okay to be busy. A sloth will tell you that you, you have earned this kind of a life. But you have to realize that this is not a true statement. Some of the bridesmaids in that, they were wise. They slept with peace and security knowing that they had prepared for the bridegroom's coming. But that foolish bridesmaid who needed oil, they forgot it. It was a matter of foolish negligence and laziness. They overlooked their responsibility. They ignored what they knew to be important. And they missed the precious time with their Lord. And Jesus goes on to say in another parable, this is about, he talks about the final judgment where, and I'm, you know, I just, I want to read this in a story form so that you understand it well enough. It is about when I was naked and when I was in prison, you did not take care of me. The Jonas are a poor family that live on the outskirts of town. 
Mrs. Jones is a widow trying to raise her two sons. Things are difficult, but they do what they can to get by. One night, there was a tent meeting revival in town. Mrs. Jones decided to attend, taking her two sons with her. Her sons, Bobby, who is 14, and Joe, 12, are quite reluctant, but they go anyway. And what they heard that night changed their life. Mrs. Jones had her two sons, gave their lives to the Lord. Bobby and Joe decided later they want to enter the ministry. They both graduated high school and, and they went to Bible college to get their training. After graduating college, Bobby called, Bobby caught on with a very successful traveling, um, traveling ministry team. After several years on that circuit, Bobby launches his own ministry. It is a huge success. Bobby receives honorary doctorate degrees, writes several best-selling books, and has a very successful television ministry. Joe, on the other hand, had difficulty with college. Although he made it to graduation, he struggled with his studies. After graduation, he goes into an inner-city rescue mission ministry. Things are hard for Joe, but he's committed to making it work. It was here he met his wife, Linda. Together, they worked all hours of the night in the mission. Keep in mind, both the children are doing kingdom's work, okay? They help feed the hungry and homeless people who visited the mission. This is Joe. Each night, uh, Joe and his wife, they would open the kitchen, make dinner for the local people who visit the mission, have worship service after the meal, and end the night with prayer. Some nights, some of the visitors would give their lives to the Lord. Joe and his wife would do whatever counseling they could. Sometimes even throughout the night, they used to sit with the people and counsel them. In the morning, Joe would visit some of the regulars who were in the rehab or jail just to encourage them, listen to them and pray with them. Some nights he would go, go out after the meetings and bring soup and coffee to those who lived in the streets. Spend, spend time with them doing whatever he and his wife could do to help them. It was a struggle keeping the mission open, but Joe and his wife knew they had to because it was all some people had, and they were committed to take care of the needs of the people around them. So here is Bobby, his brother. Dr. Bobby, as he's now called, spends his night making arrangements for his next television program, lining up guests, working on his next book, or looking over plans for the new wing on his Bible college or new 10,000-seat sanctuary. He had no time for the poor. After all, if they had his faith, they would not be in the situation they were in. His messages on Sunday would be all about how he built his multi-million million dollar ministry from such humble beginnings. Each week, he would challenge people to strengthen their faith so they can be as successful as he was. The headquarters for his ministry sat on a 50-acre plot, and he had a 10-bedroom mansion, large television studio with cable. Surely, God must be pleased. Just look at how well he blessed this ministry. Not like my brother, who struggles to keep the doors open to his place. Many nights, Joe would write to others to try and raise support to fix the mission, but in better heating and plumbing or for extra blankets and, and cots. Some of the faithful supporters would be as generous as they could, and this always gave Joe encouragement. However, any, sub any support from Bobby was always met with various excuses, but no money. One night, both Joe and Bobby were called home by the Lord. 
As they stood before the Lord, Bobby heard him say to his brother Joe, Come, you are blessed of my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. But Lord, I struggle just to keep the missions open. What have I done to deserve your favor? Joe said. When I was hungry, you gave me to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. But Lord, Joe said, when did I see you like this and took care of you? The Lord replied, whatever you, whatever you did for one of the least of this brother of mine, you did for me. So are you your brother's keeper? You are. Joe was overjoyed to receive this mercy from the Lord. Dr. Bobby was listening in and thought to himself, Whoa, if Joe got all this, what does the Lord have for me? After all, look all I did for the ministry. Look how successful my ministry as compared to Joe's. Man, I'm, am I going to get it, get it good now? When Bobby appeared before the Lord, he heard these words. Depart from me, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. But Lord, Bobby said, look at the ministry I set up down here. Look at the great success I had in the ministry for you. Look at the great church, Bible school, theme park, television ministry I built for you. Why am I cursed? The Lord replied, those things were in your name. When I was hungry and gave, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You did not look after me. Bobby replied, Lord, when did I see you like that and not take care of you? The Lord replied, whatever you did, did not do for one of the least of this, you did not do it for me. Christians must, must show acts of mercy towards all without thought or desire of recognition or repayment out of love for the Lord and for Him. Our motives should be without the desire of recognition or repayment. That will re determine where we stand. Our motives should be out of love for G Jesus. Motives are the reason we would, not, we would, we would do something. In this case, the reason we should meet the physical and spiritual needs of others should be like Jesus' reason for doing all he did. Pure motives are those that do not come out of vain, selfish ambitions or just for the tax write-off. The good deed should be done because it is the right thing to do even when no one is watching us. It is not bad to have the tax write-off, but that should not be the reason we must do things for others. David Watson, author of the book called and committed world changing discipleship said, it is this way. Christian work is constantly crippled by clinging to blessings and traditions of the past. God is not the God of yesterday. He is the God of today. Heaven forbid that we should go on playing religious games in one corner when the cloud and fire of God's presence have moved to another corner. I wanted to end with this um, thing, what um, Winston Churchill said during World War II. 
England needed to increase its production of coal, uh, production of coal, if it was going to have any hope of winning the war. Winston Churchill called together labor leaders to enlist their support. And at the end of his presentation, he asked them to stand with him and picture in their midst a grand parade, which he knew would he held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. First, he said, he asked them to imagine this grand parade picture in their mind. First, he said, would come the sailors who had kept the vital sea lanes open. Then would come the soldiers who had come home from, from, uh, from all over, then gone on to defeat in, uh, the Rommel in Africa. Then would come the pilots, those brave men who drove the aircrafts in the sky. Last of all, he said, would come a long line of sweat-stained men in miner's cap and whose face are filled with coals. And someone would cry from the crowd, where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And from 10,000 throats would, could, would come the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. When I read the story, it really touched my heart. It stirred me in a desire to be one of those cold workers. It inspired me to believe that I could be a part of something bigger than myself. Because in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, Christ says, but when Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right, the goats on the left. And it goes on to say that he will say, he will invite the children who has done the kingdom work, who are like the coal miners, putting their face to the coal, working diligently for the kingdom. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you must become the servant of all. The Bible uses a word to describe someone who God is pleased with in this way repeatedly. When Jesus was asked what pleased God or how to please God, his reply was the same. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you must become the servant of all. We too are in the midst of a great war commissioned by God Almighty to take the cause gospel to the ends of the earth. Our enemy, the devil, will stop at nothing to control as many lives as possible. He will try to stop us. Our culture is breeding ground for everything that is ungodly. We are still in need of those precious resources that will help us drive the enemy back and win this war. The Lord does not save us to sit on the pew. He has called us into the battle to be involved. He wants us to be like the coal miners, to put our face to the coal and keep working so that we can defeat the evil. He did not save you and me so that we can be slothful. He did not save us. So that we can sit in the lazy boy chair. He, he has saved us, redeemed us by his precious blood for a great purpose to be his instrument, to be his servant. So whatever the need is around you, God wants you to act upon it. Let it be small. Let it be big. 
Don't see whether people are watching you. Your Savior is watching you. Don't pass by and think somebody else will do it. I am too busy. I can't do it. No, it is your job. When your eyes see, your hands need to do. When you hear about a struggle about someone, your hearts need to go run before your feet. That is what a Christian life God wants you to be. And if you want to be delivered from slothfulness, your heart needs to run before your feet. No matter whether it is a day and night, you are called to be your brother's keeper. You are called to be a kingdom builder. You are called to be like the coal miner who are working in the coal, putting their face to the coal, working diligently because England needed that at that time to win the war. And that is the call God has given us. And Matthew chapter 24, 5, please read that. Such a great warning for the people who are living a lazy, slothful, lazy boy Christian life. And take that meditation seriously from Matthew chapter 25. Lord and Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord. In this one chapter, Lord, how much you talk about slothfulness, Father God. How much you talk about laziness, Father God. How much you talk about, Lord. Once we are saved, raising our hands, then we fold our hands and sit in the lazy boy chair. What is our end is going to be? It is so clear in this chapter, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, Deliver us from slothfulness, Father God. Lord, help us, Lord, to be like the coal miners, Father God, working for your kingdom, Lord, relentlessly. No matter what we see, Father God, help, Lord, our, our hands to act, Father God, the work that you have put before us, no matter whether it is day and night, no matter whether we are eat, whether we eat or not, Father God. Help us, Father God, to use our finances, Lord, to advance your kingdom. Help us, Father God, to use the talents, the abilities, the spiritual gifts that you have given us, Father God, to advance your kingdom, Lord. Deliver us from slothfulness, Father God. Deliver us from laziness, Father God. Deliver us, Father God, from every attraction, Lord, that of this world that is taking our attention away, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, help us, Lord, not to be like Martha, being busy, Lord, taking care of our household alone, Father God. Open our eyes, Father God, to see the needs around us, Father God. Lord, give us the deep longing in our hearts that we will hear well done, good and faithful from your lips, Father God, not from any people's lips. That, that should not satisfy us in our walk with you, Father God. Lord, help us, Lord, to hear that voice from you, to desire and long and to work towards that voice, to hear from your own mouth, Lord, well done, good and faithful servant, Father God. We can't hear that, Lord, if we give in to slothfulness. We can hear that, Lord, if, if we think that the job that you have put in front of us to feed, to clothe, to evangelize, to talk about you to the lost, the perishing, the depressed is others. It is for the evangelists, it's for the pastors, it is for the people who are in ministry, it is not for me, I, don't, I am not qualified. Lord, Lord, I pray, deliver us from that life, Father God, that we are qualified because of your Holy Spirit. Each one of us are qualified 
and each one of our are accountable before you, Father, and help us to take that seriously, Father God. I pray, Father God, for next level group, Father. Deliver us, Father God, from the sin of slothfulness, Father. Help us, Lord, to be alert. Help us not to be like that bride, bridesmaid, Father God, not to give in to laziness, Father God. But help us, Father God, to be prepared for your coming or be prepared for us to come to you any minute, Lord. Lord, I pray for your blessing over this group, Father. And I pray, Lord, your message to convict us and to have the deep long in our heart to listen from your lips. Well done, good and faithful servant. I submit this message to you, Father God. And I pray all of this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.